Hello, and welcome to Radio Free CSU, the official podcast of the California Faculty Association. My name is Audrina Redmond, and I'm your host for this 10-part series, Stronger Together, here on Radio Free CSU. This series is inspired by the intentional anti-racism and social justice transformation CFA began in late 2016. In each episode, we'll discuss one of our 10 guiding principles with the CFA leader, activists. Our hope is that you, too, will be inspired to engage in anti-racism and social justice work and join us again for more conversations about why an anti-racism social justice transformation is necessary. Today, we're joined by Kevin Weir, a professor of sociology at CSU Sacramento and the statewide secretary and chair of bargaining for the California Faculty Association. Thanks for being here, Kevin. I'm so happy to be here. Great. So we're going to be talking about the third principle uh, for CFA's anti-racism social justice work. And let me read what that is for our listeners. We acknowledge that even we in CFA are part of the problem of racism. I think that's such a huge statement. That's ownership, ownership, saying that we have a role in this too. So I have to ask, uh, has it been hard uh, for CFA as an organization to do the self-exploration that came up with a statement like that? It has been hard. It has been very difficult. I think this third principle is one of the scariest and one of the difficult, most difficult ones to wrap your head around because it does imply ownership. It does imply that it doesn't just imply it states it outright. We are part of the problem you have to own that as part of the problem before you can be intentional and purposeful about addressing that problem. Can you give us an example of how CFA is part of the problem of racism? Yeah, I sure can. Um, Reflecting on this principle, there's um, several places where I think we are part of the problem. CFA used to be, and oftentimes still is, a very white space. I saw a picture of the bargaining team from just 15 years ago, and it was almost completely white. So we've made some movement from there. Um, That's something to notice. That's good. Um, But as, as, as we have talked about with the principles, Words like just diversity and inclusion are not enough. We need to be talking about power and distribution of resources. And um, there's some ways that we have not yet moved beyond the idea of representation and quotas. It's not acceptable. Um, And the union leadership, I think, is committed to addressing that. Um, CFA, uh, sometimes, I, I think... I think we can sometimes uh, default to a very white space. Um, And uh, that means that sometimes we are reflecting values and goals and processes that um, white folks might be very comfortable with and might not even notice that it's being assumed. But they might, might in fact, be very exclusionary in certain ways. Um, So I'm grateful to my friend and colleague, Molly Talcott, who shared with me some ideas from Tima Okun, uh, a North Carolina anti-racist activist, and Reverend Daniel Buford from New Orleans. 
and they talk about some of the way that there's are there's very white and also very academic principles of perfectionism um, that there's only one right way uh, there there is a sense of urgency um, that we can obsess with on issues of measurement and assessment um, and that especially the sense of urgency, that can keep us from talking about what is truly important and necessary. The sense of urgency around a contract campaign and how we measure it, how we assess it, um, and how do we build the perfect contract campaign, all of those things are urgent. Getting a raise for our members are, is urgent. Addressing anti-racism and social justice is important and necessary. And so sometimes I think uh, some of these default values or goals or processes can distract us from what is really deeply important. And that can be inflected through a, a racialized lens. Mm -hmm. um, so so I, think, I think we've made some progress on some of this, but um, there's, that's, a, that's a process that I'm not sure where the end point is, if there even is an end point. Do you have any examples of where, in our collective bargaining agreement, for example, um, you, we, CFA's anti-racism social justice effort is reflected in the, in the collective bargaining agreement. Absolutely. Um, in our contract, we've made several iterative attempts to improve and build in principles of anti-racism, of reducing bias, and also of redistributive efforts. Um, article 16, our non-discrimination article, uh, I wasn't there when it was put into the contract that was decades ago. Um, but uh, I, I have been told that that was the single most difficult article to get into our contract. As a result, uh, every time we open the contract, we are trying to build up that article, expand it, deepen it. Um, have uh, partner articles. Have, have parts of the contract referenced back and forth mm -hmm. to Article 16 mm -hmm. so that the appointment article that talks about how people come in, into the seat, how they're, how they're hired, how their contracts are written, are linked back to non-discrimination. Mm -hmm. And also how we uh, deepen the categories of protection uh, for folks. Um, you know, originally it was um, uh, race and sex and um, uh, Vietnam veteran mm -hmm. status. <laughs> We've had a couple wars since then. Mm -hmm. um, let alone come to understanding about um, microaggressions and biases against LGBT faculty, for instance, uh, many other categories of, um, of bias. So we've uh, continually tried to, to buttress that article and expand it. Article 20, our workload article, is, is the other big one where we've made, I think, some good progress. Um, it's a couple of steps down the road and there's more steps to be taken. Article 20.37 in particular is, uh, a, a, frankly, an attempt to redistribute some uh, resources to address the increased workload that faculty of color, female faculty, LGBT faculty experience, what, uh, what my colleague Cecil Canton has called cultural taxation. Um, those faculty are often disproportionately called upon to serve students, especially our 
um, some of our most marginalized students. Well, and to be rep representatives on committees for the university. Absolutely. And their department and their college. And, and the university still has not moved beyond the words of diversity and inclusion, but diversity and inclusion on all the committees means extra service work for those faculty having to serve on every single committee. So 20.37 then provides these identify factor who have to apply That's right. some relief because it comes with reassigned time. That's right. It, mm -hmm. it is a dedicated pool of assigned time for these purposes uh, to offset some of that extra work. And it's, it's not perfect yet. Uh, we need to expand it. We need to make sure it's going to, uh, to the right people in the right ways to, to really address this problem. But that's one little example of um, some progress that I'm, I'm, I'm fairly proud of. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a big example. Yeah. You're being modest. Thanks. I think that's a big example. I agree. So it, it clearly it took a lot of conversation, uh, meetings, interactions with the various levels of leadership within the organization, including the staff leadership of CFA. What would you say the reception has been like among member leaders? I think the reception has really varied quite a bit. Um, there's a lot of people who uh, applauded this move and said it's about time. There's a lot of people who uh, have told me that uh, this is a great move, it's a smart move, um, and that it's a necessary move. Um, there's also been some pushback. I'm not going to lie, there's people in the organization who questioned, uh, why now? We, we started this a year and a half ago. And we're in the midst of a, a big contract campaign, one of the biggest and one of the most successful mm -hmm. that we've had as an mm -hmm. organization. Mm -hmm. And there were people who said, why are we doing this now? Mm -hmm. Why aren't we talking about salary? Why aren't we talking about bread and butter? Why aren't we talking about working conditions, workload? And I, I, I'll be honest, I think that that is a form of pushback, right? It's, a, it's, it's light. Well, and it's, it's for people of color, it's familiar. Sure. The, it's, it's a redirect. Yeah. Right? It's, it's a redirect. Mm -hmm. we, we, it's so difficult to talk about mm -hmm. race. It's so difficult to talk about um, forms of oppression mm -hmm. in general, mm -hmm. um, unless they're abstract and out there. Right. Right? But this third principle says, we are in it. We've got to own it. And having that conversation is difficult. So I'm, we knew people were going to push back. Mm -hmm. And... My answer to them, it's not been an easy conversation always, but my answer to them is this, this is a bread and butter issue. Mm -hmm. This is an issue of economic justice. One of the things that I have come to understand through this process, through this transformation process, is that there is no pathway to economic justice that doesn't lead through social justice. Here, we, here. Yeah. We, as an organization, we're not going to be successful calling on the entire faculty to be in solidarity with one another over a contract campaign that addresses salary or workload or whatever bread and butter issue you want, unless we have full solidarity from everybody. And that means white people got to show up for black people on anti-racism issues, mm -hmm. um, not just white-black, right, but mm -hmm. the whole panoply. So... Uh, those have not been easy conversations, but they're necessary conversations. Um, but I can tell you I've also heard uh, from faculty of color uh, that this is 
this has opened up the CFA to them in a way that they haven't felt before, mm-hmm. um, in a in a welcoming way mm-hmm. that they haven't necessarily felt before, and that's part of the third principle as well. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge that the way that we've been in the past is not been as welcoming, not been as inclusive as we could have. But we were mirroring, like all organizations do, we mirror the systems and the structures we live in, and we do it subconsciously, really. We're just doing it. Although there is consciousness, that's why it's called racism. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And that's true. We, you know, the, the CSU uh, is, is an institution of higher education in a racist and sexist culture and CFA has a part to play in that broader system. Mm-hmm. And we, you're right, we do reflect uh, some of those biases, some of those assumptions, and that's why we have to be persistent uh, and intentional about correcting those wrongs. Right. I think our CFA having been out front, you know, five, six years ago with our unconscious bias workshop and being very timely right now in the current social political climate uh, is, is, is really good. And so the fact that our member leaders are working their way through this and have made a commitment to being anti-racist uh, and a social justice organization and acknowledging that CFA is also a part of the structure that creates the system of racism, I think is, is, is hopefully... Uh, is going to go a long way for us. So, you know, and I, you, you talked about the faculty, some of the faculty you've heard from, and you said in particular that faculty of color have come up to you and said it's about time uh, that they feel welcome, that there's a space and place for, for folk. Do you think, um, do, you, do, you, do you worry about what will happen to other people who may not feel as comfortable anymore, uh, who might um, say that this is no longer the place for them because CFA is making the space and place for faculty of color, who we know traditionally um, may not find that on campus, for example. Um, are you asking me in a nice way if this might be offensive to white people? Um, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the answer is yes, of course. There's going to be people, as I mentioned, I mentioned the sort of light form of pushback. Why aren't you talking about bread and butter issues? I think, I think that's a certain, it may not be consciously code language, but I think it's code language for pushback. You should be dealing with uh, my issues, right? Um, and they, of course, are, are held up as everybody's issues. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I've learned through this process is that when we hide behind issues that everybody can agree upon, we tend to be defaulting to issues that are most important to white male folks. So, yeah, that's, of course, we're a labor union. We're not going to stop dealing with wages, hours, and conditions. Uh, My response to those folks who may feel alienated by this new focus, um, my response is we've got to do better education with them. We, mm-hmm. we need them on our side. Mm-hmm. We need everybody working together. Mm-hmm. It's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if we lose some people along the, along the way, I, I guess I'll have to live with that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I do believe that we will gain a lot more people along the way because of this new um, set of, of foci, focuses. Um, well, certainly, I mean, I, race, as we know from American history, um, is not separate from economics in this country. Uh, racism, although it didn't have a name until post-1681, is not separate from economics in this country. This, this country prospered at the sacrifice of the native peoples, at the sacrifice of enslaved Africans, at the sacrifice of people brought here as indentured servants, as the sacrifice of people shipped over here so they could go fight in a war. I mean, this nation is founded on isms. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we could go on, right? The building of the railroad. And exactly. The, Mining of the gold, mining of the oil and resources, right. all of it, absolutely. Yes, yes. yes. So, so this CFA's taken on this huge chunk. I'm, I'm curious, though, how is it, um, you know, what's your own journey been like through this anti-racism and social justice transformation? What's it been like for you, Kevin, uh, having time to think and reflect on maybe some things that have happened in your past or the challenges that might have come up in, in some of these meetings and the decision-making to move in this direction as a union? It has not always been easy. Um, it has ultimately been extremely rewarding and extremely fulfilling. But uh, transformation processes, they, you know, when, when when we first started talking about this, and I, I thought transformation, okay, that's cool. We're going to transform as a union, as an organization. And uh, I didn't quite tumble to the fact that that meant me transforming as an individual mm -hmm. in order for that to happen. Mm -hmm. That's where the real change is. It took a little bit of time for me to come to that. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so there is, there is a process, there, there is a road um, for me to walk. And uh, it was not always easy. There were... There were tears. There were um, there was a lot of introspection. I'm an introspective person. Um, that w that wasn't hard to come to grips with. Uh, racism and sexism and social inequality are things that, because of where I grew up in California, I've seen it, fought against it, uh, understood it. As a sociologist, I study it. Um, it's really easy. You had it intellectualized. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. out there. It's abstract. Mm -hmm. It's something that I can understand. It's something that I can write about. Mm -hmm. It's not something that I was living and breathing every day. You weren't feeling it. I was in my head, not mm -hmm. in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so making that movement from head to heart is mm -hmm. not an easy one. It mm -hmm. is, it is, and it's especially not easy for academics. We live in our heads. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but... When one of the insights that I really came to understand deeply, and, and uh, you know, I'm still learning how to embrace that, but racism is something that lives in individuals, it's something that lives in institutions, but it's not just something that out, that's out there. It happens every day. Mm -hmm. It happens in one-on-one -on -one conversations. It happens in meetings. It happens in the classroom. There are microaggressions. There are assumptions made, there are uh, uh, excuses given, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there so, are unchecked biases. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So learning to live in the moment and really be present and watch these things 
pass by and taking note of them, feeling them, intervening or responding when possible, where possible. That's been a, trans a personally transforming process for me. Uh, I can think of moments where I have stopped a conversation in the classroom because of noticing what was happening. I have done the same thing in meetings and had other people do it in meetings, in CFA meetings. Um, it's a different way of trying to live in the world and it's a different way of, shall I say, conducting business as an organization. Um, it, so the personal transformation part is a huge part of the organizational transformation. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we, we certainly leaders need to know it. Leaders like you need to know it, need to feel it, need to own it uh, in order for the transformation for the organization to be possible. Because the individuals lead the organization, right? Right. So thank you for that work and the other CFA leaders for doing that. Well, folks, it's time to wrap up our podcast. I'm going to leave us with a quote. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. We are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. That's a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in his letter from the Birmingham Jail, April 16, 1963. This has been Radio Free CSU. I want to give a special thanks to our guest today, uh, Kevin Weir. I'm your host, Audrina Redmond. That's the end of our podcast, but do join us again for more conversations discussing the 10 guiding principles of CFA's anti-racism and social justice transformation. Remember, transformation is an action verb, meaning a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. Thank you.